now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. I am here at the Momentum Studios, Zeb behind the controls, we rocking and rolling. Spencer Shea is here, but by way of the telephone, um, he's not feeling the greatest, but he's a soldier, he's a champion, so he's phoning in. <laughs> Game gamer, bro. Game he's time. A gamer, mode. baby. He figures it out. And you know what? And you know what, bro? Either way, it's good to be back, my friend. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. And uh we got a lot to get to, Spence. We've been uh here, there, and everywhere. Obviously, it's been a crazy summer, and, and we'll just talk about this as we kind of transition into wind shares here. Um sure. it's been a crazy summer for me, DJing especially. Um, I've been doing some traveling this summer as well. Obviously, with the podcast, we haven't been nearly as consistent. Um, then there's this little thing called COVID that's been kind of creeping around the neighborhood again. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we've had some time off with that. Um, and then I'll just be honest with you. Last week, I planned on coming in here and recording a podcast. And then I got tickets to the 50 Cent concert. And so I went. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and and honestly, truthfully, how it happened was I was I DJed at Tube Tuesday, last Tuesday night, and the 50 Cent show was on Wednesday. And so Jeremiah is on tour with 50 Cent. Busta Rhymes is on tour with 50 Cent. Um, but basically, like, Jeremiah's camp came to Tube Tuesday that night when me and the homie Connect Zero, shout out to Connect Zero, we were spinning. So we're getting busy, going back and forth. Jeremiah's camp is there, and then they basically, like, reach out, and they like, yo, we rock with y'all vibe, super tough. We liked how y'all got down. We want to bless y'all and get y'all free tickets to the 50 Cent show, obviously, again, with Jeremiah and Buster Rhymes. We have phenomenal seats, um, and it was just something that I couldn't turn down. But it just so happened that it was at the time that we had scheduled to record here, and quite frankly, we just didn't make it. So uh, that's why we missed last week. And I, I like I said, I, I'll take that on the chin because I rock with 50 Cent. And again, it was a, it was a super dope moment, a super dope show to be able to see, to be able to witness. It's called the Final Lap Tour, so who knows if 50 Cent will ever tour again. Um, and again, it was just a vibe. It was a great time. And th- that's a perk of being a DJ sometimes, folks. And uh, it's oh, something yeah. that I do quite frequently. Well, I mean, also, it's worth noting, you know, hip-hop's got gray hairs now. Yes. And some of these legends, we, yes. need to, we need to take every opportunity we can to catch these legends while they're still activated. It is 50. It is hip-hop 50 right now. So you are indeed correct about the genre having gray hairs. And yeah, you're correct about going to see these. I mean, we are, I mean, Jeremiah himself has had a scare, like a, like he was dealing with some illness at a point in time that like a lot of people were considering to be like a life or death type of an illness. So even him himself, while obviously 50s a legend, you know, of course, Busta Rhymes is a legend. Like Jeremiah at one point in time had the entire industry you know, sending him well wishes and prayers because he had gone through a particular illness. So to be able to even see him perform, um, you know, after going through that somewhat health scare, if you will, that was super dope. But you you are absolutely correct. And again, like 50 Cent has so many other things going on. And I'll tell you one thing, when it comes to a versus, good luck with that guy. 
he performed all the hits. And <laughs> like that. Dog, what? Like that. <laughs> I mean, he performed all the hits. And if you ask me if he has 20, he has 20. No doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And so, um, but again, like I said, been traveling, been on sabbatical, been, you know, just DJing a lot. I've been super booked and busy. Grateful for that. Um, but football season is now here. And again, before we get into you know, some of the hotter topics in sports and beyond, culture, music, all of those things. Football's back, so I'm back on the call at Pacific University. The next time I'll be back on the call will be on September 30th, and that'll be on GoBoxers.com. Um, the cup, the next couple of weeks, they'll be on the road, so I only do the home games there. Um, but at least from a DJ front, this week, y'all know I'm getting right back to it, back to Lulu Friday tonight, 10 p.m. to late. Um, this weekend, I'll be at Bible Club on Saturday and Sunday nights from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. So pull up to those. And then I've had the great fortune to unlock a new residency at a spot called Mermosa. And my goodness, have I been enjoying this place greatly thus far. I started off just filling in here and there for certain events that they were having there. Shout out to the homie DJ Motaz or just Motaz Music because he's a DJ, shout he's an Motaz. artist, he's multi-talented. Super, super shout out to Motaz because Motaz connected the dots, plugged me in. Again, I, you know, I just played my position. I started off, I filled in when they needed me to fill in and the good, the good people over at Mermosa, um, got a good response when I showed up to DJ and they've decided that they want to have me there on a residency as well. So me and me and Motaz will be splitting days each weekend. Um, so I'll be doing some Saturdays and some Sundays. And a lot of that will be dependent upon my schedule and his schedule, quite frankly. Um, both of us are pretty booked and busy again with the being back in the sports season in full swing if it's and it's brunch that I'm DJing there. So I DJ there this Sunday for starters from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. But with it being brunch hours, you know, some Saturdays I have conflict with football broadcasting, such as that Saturday on September 30th that I have to broadcast. Um, and then we're only about a month and a half out from college basketball season. So it'll be some Saturdays where I'll be doing college basketball. So I may have to spend it on Sunday. <laughs> so it's just a lot on the horizon that's coming. Yeah. But but I still, know. man, I, I, I am not complaining one bit. Um, I was looking at my calendar today, and I'm pretty much booked out for the rest of the year. I'm grateful for that because um, I've just been putting in work on all of the fronts that that I want to. And then, you know, again, you know, with me being on sabbatical, having been away from work um, for, for about a couple months now, I'll be back to work over at Street Roots in about a week and a half to two weeks. So excited about that. So basically, I say all of that to say you know, I had to spend some time away and it caused for the podcast to be a little bit inconsistent, but I'm still building out my own universe, if you will. And, and part of building out a universe sometimes mean put, means putting in work, which I've been doing on a, on a DJ front more so in particular. But in other instances, it means getting some rest, <laughs> which I've been able right. to do being away from street roots, doing, you know, the work that I do on a political and a social front and working with the unhoused population here with my work at street roots. It's not easy work. It's definitely a grind. It's hard work. So I've had to 
be able to take some time away. And this sabbatical has allowed me to rest up. I feel re-energized going into this sports season full swing. I feel re-energized being able to go back to work at Street Roots. So I'm in a good place. I'm in a good position. And I definitely feel re-energized coming back in here weekly and giving you all this very podcast. So just wanted to put it out there because I know it's been a bit inconsistent and I haven't really made no announcements as to why, but that's just what's been going on in my world. So, um, yeah, man, we back, Spliff. Well, you would know why if you were in, in the streets with us. You would know That's why. Right. We're outside. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. We are outside. You got any wind shares, man? Well, man, I mean, I've just been working so much. I, I've been hearing you talk about all this rest you're getting, man. I mean, that's amazing. I'm going to try to get me some of that, too, before, obviously, I'm back on the call with you for uh, Pacific Basketball coming here in about a month. Uh, you know, uh, just... I'm feeling good, feeling great. How are you? You That's know, right. I, I keep, I, I'm always ripping and running, bro. I got a bunch of different jobs. I uh, am fortunate enough to be able to do a bunch of different things, like working with, uh, you know, elderly people. I also work with dogs and I still get to do music and I do sports with you and I still maintain a social life. Yeah. And I get my exercise and I eat my Wheaties and I drink my water, bro. And, so, and you play this you know, golf. That falls under the exercise room for sure. Well, I mean, and that, you know, and that, and that's another cool thing. Just like, I mean, just the way that everything, like you said, I'm trying, everyone's trying to build their own universe and you have to come with five or six different streams of income, which usually results in you having to monetize things that you just like to do that you really don't want to make work. But I think that, you know, you know, as far as you and I are concerned in terms of just like, being around each other all the time at work and we've sort of like borrowed from each other's games and being able to sort of, you know, get to do all of the things that we like to do. And that's something obviously that's been like the theme of this podcast for yeah. the many years we've been doing it is like just trying to be able to make space for all of the different things that we like to do, have it make sense and have them sort of have a symbiotic relationship with each other. Right. And it just feels like, you know, it's, it's happening. And so I'm for sure. Uh, every every day I'm here is a win to me. So there's more coming down the pipe. You already know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, as you mentioned, um, you know, we'll be doing college basketball soon. I don't know if it just got released today or when it was that it got released, but I just went to randomly go look up. But the schedules are out online for Pacific men's and women's basketball, which obviously you and I call those games together. Um, also, Portland State men's basketball, which I, I'm the color analyst over there at PSU. That schedule is out. So start circling your calendars, man. Go check out the schedules. Be ready to hear a lot of us here on this podcast and obviously on these broadcasts as well. So I, I'm excited for hoop season. I, obviously, I'm glad football is back because for me personally, like, I always tell people summer is my favorite season. And, and, and as we've, I guess, already been alluding to this universe that we're creating for ourselves, you know, for me and my universe, sports obviously being seasonal, I know football season kind of eases me back into broadcast mode because once Ooh. November comes around, broadcasting just takes off from November to March because I'm calling games for three different college teams. Obviously, both right. men's and women's basketball at Pacific and then men's basketball over at Portland State. So it's cool because, you know, football, obviously, there there's not as many games on the schedule as there are for basketball. And 
you just have a, a situation where with me just doing the home games, you know, I'm calling games maybe every other week, getting my pace back. You know, I, I was talking to my guy Matt Rickard earlier today, and we've just been talking about football broadcasting so far, and it's like – the first game is always sort of the roughest because I've been away from broadcasting since March, trying to regain your pace, all of those things. And then obviously football is just a sport that you have to be a little bit more researched than that of basketball. For one, there's so many positions on the field, so many players on the roster. I mean, you got a 53-man roster in comparison to a, a 12 to 15-man roster. Um usually, you know, you're down on the floor at the basketball game, so your line of sight is much better to be able to see what's going on within the action when you're up in the booth for football. Unless you have a monitor, like, right there in front of you, it could be a little bit harder to, to you know, just get your chops back. And so um, that's been my experience, and he's a, a much longer tenured, you know, play-by-play -play broadcaster than I am, and he kind of alluded to the same thing for himself. So – but with summer, like I said, being my favorite season and me being able to DJ and be outside and do what I've been able to do on the music front, now transitioning back to sports broadcasting, like, it's it's the best thing for me personally because although I hate that summer's over with, what it is that I'm, like, basically most passionate about, most passionate about, which is sports, is now on the horizon. So it's just kind of like how I've made my world work for the last five years or so. And um, obviously, you know, in some of those cases, taking a break for a couple years due to the pandemic, especially in those summers, not being able to DJ. Um, you know, with the, with, I'm saying in those summers in particular. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm but sure. there was a couple <laughs> summers that I didn't really DJ at all. You know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah, summer, of 20, yeah, right. summer of 2022 is when I was able to really get back to DJing. Sports never stopped during the pandemic right. it just didn't um you know it, it might have took a, a a pause but it didn't really stop but like summer of 2020 summer of 2021 I wasn't really spending at all you know what I'm saying and so right. summer of 2022 is when I really kind of got back into a groove and it just hasn't really stopped since then um but yeah just being back here and in the sports college football, NFL football, fantasy, for crying out loud. And then just knowing uh -huh. basketball is almost here, which is my absolute favorite sport, like, it's about to be a good time for us here, Spencer. It's about to be a good time. Well, for what, for nothing else, we're going to have stuff to talk about without having to think about it. So that's nice. Yeah, so let's get to talking about it's it. Nice. it. Let's do it. <laughs> let's get to talking about it. Um, It's personal, man. It's personal. I start out by saying it's personal. And if you don't know who I'm alluding to, I'm alluding to it's none other be a normal game, Pete. than the great primetime Deion Sanders, the head coach of the Colorado University of Colorado Buffaloes, who just so happened to be 2-0, who I'm predicting to be 3-0 after this weekend, especially after some of the commentary that I've heard directed towards prime time's way um first off man again obviously Dion has been in the news cycle day in and day out for what it is that he and his team have been able to do with the with the buffs and 
you know, I've been on radio, obviously. Let me mention this because I didn't in wind shares. I'm also on the morning show over at iHeartRadio, Rip City 620, with my guy Justin Myers every Tuesday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And so I've been able to talk about some of the current topics that's happening, even though it hasn't necessarily been here on the podcast. But I get to do it on radio with my guy Justin. And he'll actually be on the show next week because you got the Oregon Ducks facing off against the Colorado Buffaloes here in Oregon, down in Eugene, um, next Saturday, the 23rd. And I will be present for that. I won't miss that. Um, but in Dion's case, man, for one, it's just beautiful to be able to see what it is that he's been able to do on the back of obviously taking a job at Colorado, doing taking such a unique approach because obviously he has just mastered how to use the transfer portal early on in transfer portal history. <laughs> and he has shown us the absolute blueprint on how to do that. He's brought 86 new players into the University of Colorado. They're 2-0 right now. They're ranked. Like I said, I expect them to go 3-0 after they play versus Colorado State this weekend. And... They're the most viewed, watched games every week, week to week so far. We're going into week three, week to week so far. Um, and, and I remember last year, you know, when he left Jackson State and we had Dr. Mark, we had Chris Barty, Spencer, obviously, you and I were yeah. here on the podcast. And there was there was kind of a divide. Really, a, there was a divide amongst the black community in terms of, you know, sort of the sentiment around him leaving an HBCU, which obviously put him on from a coaching standpoint. We know who Prime is in his history beyond that. But from a coaching standpoint, him leaving, um, to some people, it was a bit messy how he left. To me, I always said that there's no way, clean, there's no clean way to leave one university and go and get another coaching job, especially in his case. And I said it on that episode last year when we had Dr. Mark on the podcast. I said, listen, he just won a, a, a SWAC title, a SWAC regular season title with Jackson State. Right after the game, he has to go into the locker room as they're celebrating winning the SWAC title and tell his guys – I got to go to Colorado tomorrow to announce that I'm going to be the head coach yeah, at yeah, the he, University he, he of Colorado. Did, he, pulled, he said the he's, he did the Michael he did the Magic Johnson. I'm not going to be. Yeah, exactly. And he got hell for that, quite frankly. Like a lot of people thought it was messy how he did it. A lot of people criticized him for the way he had to do it. And I said back then that it wasn't an individual issue and people were trying to make it an individual issue towards that of Dion, but I was trying to let it be known that this is a systemic issue. This is what has to happen because Dion is going to accept this job at the university of Colorado. He has to go there on a Sunday to it. He wins the game on a Saturday, announces to his guy Saturday after the game. He has to arrive in Colorado on Sunday, announce that he will be accepting the position as head coach of the University of Colorado. And the biggest reason for that, again, with this being systemic, is because Monday the transfer portal opened up. So now you have a guy in Deion Sanders who knows I'm inheriting a 1-11 program I have a lot of influence to be able to get a lot of transfers to come play at this Power 5 university with me. The only way that I'm going to be able to come in and have success, especially right away, 
is if I go take this job on Sunday and announce that I'll be the head coach at the University of Colorado prior to the transfer portal opening up, which opened up on Monday or Tuesday, one of those days. But within 48 hours of him announcing that he was going to be the head coach at Colorado, he received hell for it, which for me – I didn't agree with him on a lot of fronts because, again, I was aware that the only way he would have success at Colorado was by way of the transfer portal. For two, I understand that black coaches in Power Five conferences is a rarity, and if he doesn't come in right away and start having success, he becomes probably twice as expendable than that of his white counterparts who tend to get those positions. So he has to come in right away, be successful, turn things around for that program because he'll get dropped like a bad habit like we've seen time and time again when it comes to black coaches at Power 5 schools. There were just so many fronts that I understood exactly why he was doing it and that it was never a personal or individual thing towards Dion. It was always him working within the confines of how this current NCAA system operates. And so now to be able to see him Turn things around. He's got 86 new players on his roster. He absolutely cleaned house at Colorado. And now he is the face of college football right now. I'm so glad that this has happened because I can only imagine if he started off 0-2 at this point. And I still can imagine whenever it is that they do get punched in the mouth and end up taking a loss because I don't expect them to go undefeated. Y'all are going to just – he's going to get shat on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Spencer? Like, he is going to receive all the criticism in the world, but I feel like things yeah. needed to go for him the way that they're going right now so that people can have a better and a more clear understanding as to why it was he did what it was that he had to do back then. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing, Devon. It's like the fact is is that – the reason the criticism came down from the people that were flinging it at him when he leaves Jackson state, basically from that point on is because they did not, they could not see what was coming. Yes. And, and the reason why I think that they couldn't see the writing on the wall, or at least they, they refused to look at it is because, you know, with this transfer portal, coupled with NIL, and just the general sort of like social and cultural impact of college football on the masses going forward. Like the, the, the prestige of these power five schools or the prestige of the, the name on the front of the Jersey is losing value compared to the personalities and the, and, and, and you know what I'm saying? And that kind of impact that an individual person can have to the benefit of the program. Yeah. And, so, and the and athletes so more. I mean, which is the yeah, most well, yeah, vital part of the program. I mean, <laughs> no, of course. I mean, yeah. I, I, no, listen, I, absolutely. But it's like, it doesn't go. I mean, the way I see it is because another thing that you said, Devon, at, during that podcast and during that time, not just on the podcast, but on every radio station that would put a mic in front of your face, it, that, you know, we were talking about Oregon's head coaching yes. you know, issues. And you were the first person and the only person beating the drum saying, if Oregon wants to make something really shake, they need to go get Dion. Yep. Yep. And why? And, and, and they did not do that. Now I, I will argue, and I, I would posit that Dion, I bet you handed that job. He would have probably thought about it. And maybe Colorado still looks like a better move because like you said, if he goes into any of these schools that have a reputation 
or even a middling roster that, you know, it could potentially look like a top 25 school and he doesn't produce at least to that level, then you're right. He's going to get bounced like a bad habit. Yep. But if you go to a one and 11 team, all you got to do is win two games. And he already did. Yeah, for sure. And so, <laughs> for and sure. So, and so, and so really I say all that to say that like what Deion Sanders is doing for college football is he's revolutionizing college Absolutely. football Absolutely. right in front of our eyes very, very quickly. In real and time. I think that's what, in real, in real fast, in prime time. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think, that, and I think, and I think that that's what you see now is you see a lot of people sort of really afraid of that, and so you know they're gonna they're gonna throw all of the the salt on him as they can, but yeah. I don't see him shriveling up anytime soon. Oh no, man! And, and it's interesting you say that because I brought that up to Justin when we were on radio a couple of days ago, and and I mentioned that I was like the only person in Portland sports media that was advocating for the Ducks to go hire Dion when they were doing their coaching certs. Obviously, they hired Dan Lanning, who I think in, ended up being a good hire to this point. Yeah, I'm, I don't – it's a pretty good hire. You know what I mean? He just came, yeah. coming off of winning a national championship with Georgia as the D coordinator, and the Ducks have been good so far, you know, under his leadership. Like, I'm not saying – this is no knock to the hire made of Dan Lanning, but I understood – the brand of the Oregon Ducks, which in some ways was at risk. And I wish I would have said to, to Justin the other day, because Justin made mention to me when I when I told him about, you know, how I felt about Dion back then. And he remembered those conversations that were being had back then. And he tried to essentially come to the defense of Oregon saying they just basically got dumped by two head coaches. And that Dion, even though he's at Colorado right now, like he's got bigger fish. I think we can tell now at this point that he's got bigger fish to fry at some point beyond the University of Colorado Buffalo's football. And while we know that now, well, we I bet didn't. You I know. I bet you I know which fish he's trying to fry too. And 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 either way, we didn't know that then though. We know that now because of the success that he's having that none of y'all felt like he was going to be able to have and revolutionize, as you mentioned, in real time as fast as he's doing it here and right now. So even back then, I thought that the brand of the Oregon Ducks, which obviously has been massive in the college football world, but clearly was losing a little bit of cachet, being that you have these head coaches that are leaving and taking these bigger jobs and a brand like primetime Deion Sanders, who's on the rise, but clearly not even to the point where he is even right now today as the Buffs head coach. Yes, as an individual, that's the case, but I'm more so just speaking solely to Deion as a college football head coach. That would have been match made to me because Dion obviously would have been able to recruit guys to if he was able to recruit guys to Colorado, he would have been able to recruit guys to Oregon first and foremost. Also, again, sure. I think Oregon just wasn't really necessarily willing to take that risk on Dion at the time, because, again, a lot of these people just felt like there was no way that Dion could be revolutionizing college football at this rapid of a pace. People were just a little bit behind on the power, the influence, and, and, and the ability of Deion Sanders oh. to be able to do exactly what it is that he's doing. Well, they wanted him to show and prove well, but, first, but, 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 which is but, why he had to get a 1-11 team to be able to do that rather than say, come here to a school that has national cachet right. and, and do it here 
which I've always felt like he could, but he had to show and prove first before he could be trusted to be able to go to fry bigger fish, as Justin mentioned, which now we feel like he can go do based on what he's already been able to do in such a short time with the Colorado Buffs. Well, you know, fortunately, it's it all happens on Saturday, and it's wins and losses. But, I mean, like I was saying earlier, bro, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of the mentality that some of these places have that as an Oregonian myself, I see tendencies of in all of these Oregon sports institutions and, and further, but it's like, they just, they don't want to, they don't want to, you know, come to terms with the fact that maybe your name is not as dope or can be even as equally as dope as this one singular, yeah. you know, guy to come in and find a symbiotic relationship between it would be in my mind, the ideal move, but some of these people, they're just too prideful. Yeah. And some of these institutions, and, yep. some of these, they're just yep. way too prideful. And it's like, yo, you got to take the glasses off and look because the game is getting rewritten right in front of you. Absolutely. So, and you, you know, know why you know, I agree. So, so it didn't, so it, so it made a lot of sense that a team like Colorado is going to be like, sure, no, no, no. We're in the position of being able to take this on and let this ride the way it is because they had one win last year. And you know why I agree so. with you wholeheartedly. And obviously you, 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 you mentioned that this is more of an Oregon sports landscape at large, but taking it, I mean, look, but taking I, I, it back to the Oregon Ducks conversation. for it's, sure. It's Absolutely. And I'm, I'm keeping it here. Okay. Going back to the Oregon Ducks in particular. And at the time when I was saying that Dion and then the Ducks should have really been pushing to go get Dion at the time, which basically never really happened. A lot of the reason why a lot of people felt like the Ducks didn't do that was because Dion's past relationship with Nike do remember Jackson Dude. State was an Under Armour school. Do remember Dion and Nike in the '90s went through whatever it was that they went through back then. My whole point was Phil Knight, the biggest booster at the University of Oregon, sure enough has enough money to be able to speak to being able to mend that relationship between Dion Sanders and Nike to where get over it. That was from the 90s. Yeah. And and you yeah. know why I really know that he had that bag? The reason why I know how he had that bag because he's the rich, richest man in Oregon, first and foremost. I don't think it'd take a rocket science to figure that piece out. But let's take it back to <laughs> but let's take it back to Dion now. Dion signed what, a five-year, 29 million something dollar deal somewhere in that ballpark with Colorado. And Colorado didn't even have the money yet. Remember. When well, they, got, D, they got it now, thanks I, to him. Absolutely, they have it now. But my point is, if the <laughs> fact that he was willing, the fact that he was willing to step out on faith and accept a job at the University of Colorado, who didn't even have the money to pay him for the deal that he signed, you think that Phil Knight and the University of Oregon boosters? didn't have enough money to be able to throw at him to say, you know what, let's let bygones be bygones from whatever our problems was with Nike in the past, and let's put our pride to the side yeah. as Nike University, essentially, which is what the University mm. of Oregon is. Let's put our pride to the side, and let's bring you on over here, man. We'll make sure you're paid. We'll make sure you're taken care of. We'll let you do you, and 
I think right now the Ducks will be contending for a national championship had that happened. Obviously, it didn't. Again, I think they made a safer hire in Dan Lanning, which is all fine and dandy. And I think Dan Lanning's a good coach, and I can't wait to see Lanning and Dion go head-to-head next week. But I still yeah, am like, ooh, I would have much rather it been Oregon and Dion being together then now Dion becoming a threat to the University of Oregon. And now I don't even know who to cheer for. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because in my heart, I'm rocking with Dion through and through. But but the reason why I'm rocking with Dion was because I was one of the only people in this market in sports media that was saying, hey, Oregon, go after him. Go get him. Fortunately, I didn't have enough influence either for them to put their pride to the side and go get him. And, and nobody else obviously agreed with me. So now here he is coming in as a threat next Saturday, which is great for headlines. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What, but it's yeah, like, that's what I, I wish look, it was a different way, personally. No, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. You said he's a safe hire. He's a safe hire. Man, safe. We're playing baseball, bro. <laughs> this is football, dog. I don't need safe. I need dangerous Deion Sanders coming that's right. in. About to throw 400. His son's about to throw 400 yards. On. That's what you need to win a national championship. That's right. You need safe, Devon. That's right. I need dangerous Deion Sanders, and he is a danger to everybody that he looks down. I, I will say this though. I thought it was very funny. He said, "Oh, it was just supposed to be another, just supposed to be another game." All right, bro. You know that's cap. It's not just any other game. All eyes are on you, and this is a in-state rivalry game. Yeah, I just yeah, thought yeah, that was yeah, really funny. yeah, yeah, yeah. His his media savvy is crazy, bro. It's and, the know, best. I wanted to touch on the. You touched on the bigger fish, and it's like I mean, you could see obviously a national power five team that he coaches, or you could say, yeah, he could go to the NFL. Maybe he wins a Super Bowl ring as a coach. That would be crazy. But I mean, I'm seeing even further than that. I just saw a freaking, uh, uh, KFC commercial with his entire family on it. Yeah. He's about to be Colonel Sanders too. This is a mogul. This is an icon in the making. Absolutely. 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 In so, a whole I mean, different just, realm because he's already an icon in his right. own and in, in so many other rights. <laughs> you know exactly. what I'm saying? But I in a whole nother realm, is. he's becoming mm-hmm. an icon, which yeah. is amazing. It, it's amazing. It is. it is. But yeah, man, now, like I said, I, I'm still a little salty about the fact that he's not with Oregon. Not even at the fact that he's not with Oregon, that I just felt like Oregon never pursued him. And I do think, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, that a lot of that had to do with pride. It had to do with, with again, the, the relationship pride between him and Nike in the past. It had to do with the fact that he wasn't as proven as maybe Oregon thought he should have been. But with that being said, and what, again, I wish I would have said back to Justin, well, Oregon shouldn't have that much pride if – they already getting dumped by head coaches left and right anyway. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't be so prideful. Okay. <laughs> Maybe you should okay. humble yourself. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, I wish I would have told him that one. <laughs> I wish I would have told him. But I'm going to say it here and now. <laughs> Maybe y'all shouldn't be so prideful <laughs> if y'all getting dumped left and right by coaches anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> Put your pride to, aside. Put that gallon of milk yet? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Put that pride to the side. But nah, man. Well, uh, get some cigarettes real quick. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Put the pride aside and go get prime. That's what they should have did. But obviously, again, man, yeah. I'm I'm still excited. I, I'm go. I'm certainly going to Eugene next Saturday. I will be at Austin Stadium. I will be Say at that, that game. You know, yeah. uh, again, for one, I just want to be able to witness Prime in real time as he is revolutionizing college football. 
Hey, I've been covering the Ducks. I, I have a thing for the Ducks, man. You got to remember my introduction in the sports media. I was working at the Ducks station. So the yep. first game I ever covered was an Oregon Ducks football game. The first sport I ever covered was Oregon Ducks football. So, like, I still have this attachment to the Ducks to where I always want to see them be successful, even though obviously I'm still in this market and, you know, now I'm obviously not as Duck-centric as I was back then, but it's like back then it's like I wanted to see them be successful because I work for the Duck Station. So the, the more successful they are, the more people want to come in and tune in and listen what it is that we have to say on radio or in their station because they're thriving and they're having success. Like it all goes hand in hand. You know me. I, I, no media no media is non-biased, and that was my bias. <laughs> you know, And I'm willing to step out there and admit that. So it's like I still have always kind of had that attachment to the Ducks even – not covering near, not covering them nearly as much in the work that I do now. But, again, I'm torn a little bit because I do have that connection for the Ducks. But also, like, I'm rocking with the culture tens out, 10 times out of 10, which is why I do this podcast the way that I do it. I want to see Dion take everybody down because clearly yeah. everybody, wants, everybody else wants to see him go down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like I, 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 I'll just wear neutral gear, man, and I'll just – Go for whoever wins. <laughs> nah, I'm going. <laughs> nah, I'm rocking with Prime. I I'll be honest with you. I I'm going to step out and I'm going to just say it. I'm rocking with Prime. I want to see Prime continue to win, continue to thrive because it's bigger than football what it is that Prime's doing. And that's what I told Justin as well when he was talking about, you know, there will be a point that they get punched in the mouth. And while I wholeheartedly agree with sure. that, like I'm not I'm not coming in and putting the expectations on them to go out there and, on, and go undefeated, but I will say part of the allure and part of, of of why Prime is such a special coach and he is who he is and, he, and is even having success, the success that he's having right now is he's been able to make this bigger than football. So when it comes to inside of those lines, those athletes, those players are willing to run through a wall for him. And I feel like even if there's an instance where they get punched in the mouth, he's going to be able to make that lesson bigger than football for his guys to where they're going to be willing to run, run through a wall for him and bounce back from a loss. You know what I'm saying? So it's like sure. part of why Dion is so special, man, and why it is that he's having the success that he's having is because – those kids, when he's out there saying it's personal, like, it's not just for marketing. Yeah, it's it's great marketing, but those kids really are taking it personal out there, clearly. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And they're yeah. going out there, and they're wrecking shit. <laughs> and they plan on doing it again Saturday. I saw the clip today where he told the guys it was personal after um, Coach Nor Norvell over at uh, Colorado State came out and said, uh, yeah, when I go talk to other adults, my mom taught me, and I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, my oh, mom yeah, taught me yeah. to take my hat off and take my glasses off man Dion been rocking them shades since the 80s man and it's like and it's like <laughs> now he's out there saying that and then the kids with they with all the cultural cachets they have in the world they coming out with Friday after next lines talking about you remember what happened to the last two security guards? <laughs> like it was it was such a fire moment, man. Like they they just got it going on over there. That program 
has it going on under his leadership. So now, hey, guess what? I'm tuned in to see what they do to Colorado State this weekend. And then next weekend, I'll be front and center to see what they do against the University of Oregon. Oh, yeah. Um, well, again, shout out to them. Excited about what they're doing. NFL is back. Aaron Rodgers is hurt. Super unfortunate. Um, but, you know, things go the way that they go, man. Um, you know, he tore his Achilles. I hate it for him. Yeah. I hate it for the Jets because the Jets, I think, put a really good team around him. And obviously man. they put a really good quarterback within their program that hasn't particularly had the greatest history of quarterbacks. So to be as amped up to have a successful season as they were and then him to go down in all of four snaps and tear his Achilles, like that was just a downer to the world of football at large, not just the Jets. Yeah, I mean, in a downer to Aaron Rodgers, I mean, obviously, like, say what, you know, for, for what it's worth, you know, I know that he's sort of a divisive character in the NFL these days, but he's still Aaron Rodgers, and he can sling that thing. So, and, you know, these are some of the legends of our sports. I think, you know, uh, you, you know we were talking about cherishing, seeing, you know, these hip-hop legends before they pass and, you know, uh, their time to perform and, uh, Aaron Rodgers, that would have been, you know, in all, you know, foresight would have been like probably his last like real hurrah, you know? Yeah. And um, I think that it was an important season for him, not just for maybe his own you know sense of pride and just being able to play the game. But also, I think his Hall of Fame eligibility hangs, you know, a little bit in the balance of this season. And, um, you know, you mentioned how great the Jets were. They're, they're still a good football team around them. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, I like, I like their chances of being able to bounce back, but <laughs> I mean, dude, the Jets fan base, I'm sure you were on Twitter when that was happening. That's, that's what you do, but man, these guys were taking it right in the solar plexus. I mean, I saw a grown man crying and it was all bad for the Jets. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but I, honestly, Devon, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever see Aaron Rodgers play in the NFL game again. You know, um, here, here's what I'll say. I, do, whether I know or not, I don't think we'll ever know. I mean, I, I, not that we'll ever know. I don't think we'll know for at least until after this football season is over with. Let me just start there. And the reason I say that is because, for one, if you're Aaron Rodgers – you rehab as if you're going to come back and play football again. I think that's the best decision for you personally, just for your own long-term health beyond your playing years of football. And then obviously if there is any percentage of a chance for you to actually come back and play the game of football, then you actually open that opportunity up for yourself by putting yourself in the best best situation health-wise as you possibly can. So I don't think that we'll know if Aaron Rodgers is going to retire until he actually goes through the rehabilitation process and can really see once he reaches the point of where he's supposed to be at close to full recovery, if he's the same guy that he was prior to this injury, which again, historically Achilles injuries are, are probably about the worst. But now in this day and age, with the advancements in, in technology and with the advance with the advancements in healthcare and with the fact that 
Aaron Rodgers can get the best treatment, not only from what it is that the NFL can offer him, but with the amount of money Aaron Rodgers has, he can go get world-class treatment from wherever it is that he wants to get that treatment from. He could he could do he could do private peyote tech treatment. You for get a what year I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, with that said, it's like whether he's gonna come back and play or not, like that's a conversation if you're willing to lean into that conversation that you'll be having for about six months minimum. <laughs> and I personally just don't want to have that conversation for six months. So I just more so lean into the into this, the situation of I do think if you're the New York Jets with the team that you've been able to put together, you still need to be in win now mode. You still need to go and try to find you mm-hmm. another quarterback that can help you win right now. Um, obviously there's been a lot so of names. Zach Wilson. Wait a minute. It ain't Zach Wilson. I, I mean, Hey, I, I, I don't know, <laughs> but it, they do better than sorry, I do. Zach. You know what I'm saying? Nice like guy, they, they know better than I do. And, and, and if, if it is Zach Wilson then right, then right with Zach Wilson. But if it ain't, obviously every it's other not. name <laughs> possible has been thrown in the head. Even Colin Kaepernick's name has been yeah. thrown in the head again, which even, uh, even Tom Brady tried to sell it. Tom, Brady. And by the way, speaking of Colin Kaepernick, because like I said, I mean, I think my point just clearly is the Jets still need to be in win now mode. But I do want to talk about the Colin Kaepernick thing, because obviously anytime there's a quarterback injury and a team needs to go find another quarterback, we're going to continue to see Colin Kaepernick's agent try to reach out to these organizations and try to get him a job. Am I aware that Colin Kaepernick hasn't hasn't played a snap in seven years? Absolutely Please, people, we ain't that dumb. This is the thing. Colin Kaepernick made a sacrifice that is going to keep his name alive for as long as he and his agent wants it to be alive in terms of him feeling like he still is capable of going out there and being a productive quarterback in the National Football League. That's just what it is. Nobody is saying they need to go hire Colin Kaepernick because of, you know, he's going to come back and and be Aaron Rodgers or he's going to come and be – Patrick Mahomes for crying out loud. No, nobody is saying that. But what you all have to understand on a social level is as long as Colin Kaepernick wants his name to be in the fold for him being able to go out there and get a job in the NFL, damn it, we're going to back him because he made a sacrifice that got him excluded from the NFL on our behalf. So it's only right for us to have his back if he feels like he's still capable enough to go out there and take a snap and play at the level enough to be able to be a a sufficient enough quarterback to be in the National Football League. That's all it is. We know he ain't took a snap in seven years. We know that he might come back and be absolutely trash. We hope that he gets a chance to come back and – and lives up to what he says that he still has the capability of doing. We don't know what he's capable of doing no anymore. We do know the sacrifice that he made that got him excluded from the league, and damn it, we're going to ride for him as long as he feels like he can come back and play in this league. That's it. That's all. We don't have to think no deeper into this than that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, and for the people that are going like, how is his name keep coming up? It's like, well, he's a football player. I mean, his that's all he's ever been so far. I mean, outside of an activist, but I mean, as far as his co- profession, he's a football player. So if there's football to be played, he's going to try to play it. Right. <laughs> that's just in the job description. Right. And so 
and, and, you know, look, the guy keeps himself in phenomenal shape. He clearly keeps his ear to the ground because every time these things happen, his name's the first one that pops up. And it's always like his agent says Cap's ready to play. And so, you know, it's like, look, when you have there's a deficiency in quarterbacks right now, especially right now uh, for injuries. If you look all across the league, everyone's getting injured and there's a lot of quarterbacks. And so it's like, I'm, what, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You have right. to have Zach Wilson under center. Right. Like, come on. Right. You know give me a saying? shot. Like, give me a shot. And, and, and let's have, you know what I mean? Let's, let, you got to experiment here. Like I said, safe. We ain't playing baseball. This is football. You need to take some risks in yeah. order to go get that big chip. For sure. So For sure. That's that's where I stand on the whole thing. I say get I say if he can still throw it, give him a shot. Let's see what he looks like. Put I, some pads on it. I agree. I agree. How you doing in fantasy football after week one? Well, of course I want to know. <laughs> of course, of course. Because listen, Devon, it's not about who has the number one pick. It's not about who picks last. It's not about who is coming off of a championship. I'm not going to name any names. But hey, now. Hey, now. Here. I will. I will. <laughs> what is hands, <laughs> hands up. <laughs> See, what is which I'm, which I'm, oh, which I'm now 0-1 in that particular league. In the league that you and I are in together, I'm 1-0 in that league as well. But in the league that well, I'm defending you know my title in, say? I lost week one. But I also didn't. See, my keeper was Travis. My keeper was also Travis Kelsey. And he didn't play week one, so that that certainly didn't help my case. I kind of knew I, I was done from the – I was see, doing from the jump. See, you hear – see, you know, and everyone – I'll give you the best advice that I know how. It's just like the game of football, man. A lot of people try all these tricks and tactics, but all you got to do is just play your opponent week to week. You look down the barrel of the gun and you see – who do I got on the other side? That's of it? right. This week I got Luis, so I'm asleep at the wheel, and I'm still gonna catwalk for another dub. I'm going to <laughs> <two and> now. <laughs> it's nothing. It's gonna be nothing. I'll see you in the playoffs, sir. That's yeah. all I got to tell yeah, you. Yeah, well, we both want to know in that league, but yeah, yeah, like I said, my other league, I kind of once once Travis Kelsey once they announced that he wasn't playing, I kind of threw week one in the trash can. We'll bounce back though. We'll bounce back. Um. But excited NFL is back. Obviously, we'll be talking NFL for all the weeks to come unless Dion keeps making headlines better than the NFL headline. He's out headlining NF the NFL right now, man. He just is. <laughs> like he yeah. he he is the biggest news in American sports right now. Well, I mean, he I mean, I I just I can't see any other excuse me, path for him to being like I want to be back in the league coaching, winning Super Bowls being on the gridiron. So, I mean, that's, that's where he's going. It's, it's with a bullet too. So. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I hear you though. I mean, I, hear you. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying like from a football pers perspective, like he doesn't have further up for many rungs up the ladder further to go for sure. But I, football is concerned. And I think that he is the type of guy that wants to squeeze every last ounce out of the turn, but that he can't. Ah, but see, that's where that's where I think I disagree with you. I, I don't think he's the type of guy that wants to like squeeze every last ounce out of it that he can. I think Dion is at a point right now where he he leans into his faith. And whatever he feels like is his calling is what it is that he's going to do. If that means him continuing to stay at the college football ranks, so be it. If that means Hey, I got my son through college. I was able to help him become a professional NFL quarterback. Now I don't even want to coach football no more. He might do that too. I might want to go back to the booth and be in the media. He he can go in any rich which route he wants to go. And where I think he's a little less predictable is in the sense that 
he gave so much to Jackson State. He's now going to be more so on the receiving end of a lot of whatever deals or whatever it is that he decides that he wants to do going forward. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and of course he's going to give wherever he goes because he, he, he's, he has that much value. But, but again, I, I don't think it's as predictable in terms of what it is that Dion wants to do next or where he's going to go next, because I do really think that he leans more so into his faith. He knows, he knows what he knows when it comes to football. He knows He's arguably the greatest football player to ever play the game. <laughs> and he clearly yeah. knows that he can transform any any program, any organization, whether it be as a player or as a coach. So I think for him, it's going to be more so him leaning into whatever he feels his calling is. And, and as a man of faith, like, I get it. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's just where he is at this point. But he's got a son that's a Heisman candidate right now already. And it's like – yeah, if I can help you continue to level up to be able to reach your dreams, what father wouldn't want to do that? You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I don't necessarily think Dion is like all in to try to be the greatest coach of all time. I really do think he's in oh, this no, thing to I, I change and transform lives. You know, I don't think that, but I do think like, man, you got to be, especially after the season that, that hit, they're about to have, the, just the absolute blast that they're already having and about to have, like the idea of being like, man, I could coach my son in the NFL. That's to me, that sounds like the type of bucket list sort of, yeah, you know, fire. Goal that you, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it's kind of right there for sure. I don't For know sure. that, that that's, that's my, that's the storyline that I kind of see in there tucked away. Cause I'm just like, Man, these guys are having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, they're having a lot of fun together, whooping up on these people. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. I I would want to take that to the top myself, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I want to transition, and I want to just do an all around segment again. Some of this is us playing catch up because we haven't been in here for a while. Um, but I do think these black women in sports um, deserve to be highlighted, regardless of how long that we've been away because of how massive their contribution has been to sports based on what it is that they've been able to achieve. Um, I'll start with Simone Biles. You know what I'm saying? Simone Biles um, has won a record eighth national all-around gymnastics title. And Simone Biles is putting herself into a conversation of being the greatest athlete we have ever seen and because yeah. the headlines have been Dion because the headlines are now the NFL I don't think that we've been giving her enough credit and enough praise for what it is that she's been able to do in gymnastics which is like you've got to be the ultimate athlete to have the success mm -hmm. that she's having in gymnastics and I think she's reached a, a, a stratosphere that we've seen their Serena Williams reach, that we've seen somebody like a Deion Sanders who who you can put in a conversation like that as just one of the all-around greatest athletes that America has ever had in our history. And I think Simone Biles has put herself in that pantheon of greats, and that needs to be highlighted. And if it's not going to be highlighted nowhere else, which obviously it has been, but we going to still take the time you know, to bro, highlight it I, here uh, as well. I don't want to, I don't, I'm not trying to like 
one up your uh, comparisons there. And I'm also not trying to blow smoke at all, but I think that with Simone's career, I mean, you're talking about eight men. You're talking about the most dominant American gymnast of all time now, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And and that's not to mention that you know she, the, the the history that she has and the and the abuse that she survived through. Yeah. Just the program, and and obviously you know the the people that were involved in that. Her whole team. She got she got the twisties and came back and meddled again. Yep. Like I, I see her as I see her, I see her getting closer to a comparison of like a Muhammad Ali, Mm. to be honest, because, and and just because of the, I mean, she's, she's an activist for women's, you know, rights and for advocating against, you know, sexual abuse. I mean, she, she's on all fronts. She's not even, I mean, how old is she? 25, 26. 26. 26 like i mean and and who knows where her career is and the oldest there. woman like, to win a I, national yeah, all-around title really type of take you say what and and became the oldest woman to win an all-around national title as a gymnast cool so that adds to the longevity thing just from her career but it's like you're only 26 you know what i mean like yeah, yeah, i don't yeah. know is that a fair is that a fair is that a fair I, you know take to have because it really kind of feels like that i think the sky's the limit i i don't think there's an an athlete that she cannot be compared to in a in american history in terms of her greatness so i i don't care who you throw out there it could be muhammad ali it could be uh, Deion, like i said i said Dion and serena you could say michael jordan lebron james you say whoever She's in that conversation now. And I think that we need to continue to acknowledge her as such and we need to continue to hold her up as such because, as you mentioned, not only what it is that she's been able to accomplish as an athlete, you know, within the confines of her sport, but also what it is that she represents outside of her sport. And usually yes. those things go hand in hand. And 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 mm-hmm. even, like I said, obviously we've been it's been a Dion-centric podcast because of what Dion's doing and he's – been the main headline right now. Like, I don't think we're talking about Deion Sanders in the same light as a coach if he's not winning and producing on the field just as much as he is impacting lives off the field. And I think in her case, what it is that she's been able to do as a winner has helped to elevate her platform of the impact that she now has been able to have outside of the realm of sport. And, yeah, I don't think that there's a athlete in American history that her her greatness cannot be compared to. Not one. Yeah, that's very well said. And I, that, and I definitely agree with that. And so, you know, I, I don't know if she's going to continue to compete. She could, you know, hang up the leotard right now. And, and it's a wrap. She's yeah. the greatest. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, she she's <laughs> yeah, like like that that's really all I got. I'm not going to sit here and do a deep dive on on all the twists and turns and moves that she does as a gymnast cuz I'm not a big gymnastics fan, but I understand what her accomplishments and her accolades mean and I understand that we need to uplift that because she's doing the unthinkable. <laughs> like the absolute unthinkable. And 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 again, as you mentioned, she's got she's obviously been dominant as a winner. She's dealt with the social elements, the, the 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 horrible social elements of the sport, going through abuse and all of those things, and she also has the bounce back story. You know what I'm saying? Like like she has all yeah. the elements of greatness. Like she went through 
what she went through. You know what I'm saying? And she's bounced back within the sport and outside of the sport. And so, like, she has every element of what I would consider to be um, sort of a rubric, if you will, of what would make somebody the greatest athlete in American history. And she's reached every last one of those aspects of it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. I think we need yeah. to I think we need to continue to hold her up in that light and and it wouldn't be right if we didn't do that for her here today. Also want to shout out Coco Golf. You know what I'm saying? She Coco. just she just won the US Open at 19 years old and obviously Ooh. I already mentioned Serena Williams, but it's like I feel like we got one. We got another one coming. Coco. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we got another one coming. You know what I'm saying? And 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 she and that ain't that's terrible. nothing light to say. That is not a light thing to say, is that we got another Serena Williams coming. <laughs> yeah, she could be, she really, she really could be Serena, bro. She has got the like the most intense game I've seen since the young Serena. So that alone. It gets you there, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, because she just hunted, hunted her opponent, hunted that whole tournament down. Yeah, yeah. Which again, that as you was- mentioned, hunting it down, like she, she, her back was against the wall, and she had that bounce back story just within that tournament alone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like she right, hunted it down right. for sure. <laughs> So, right. so, so I, I got to give a huge shout out to Coco Golf, and like I said, I think for her. For 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 Simone Biles, it's she's that legend. Her legend has become what it is now, and we need to acknowledge her as such. For Coco Golf, it feels like we got one coming. We got another one of those surreal legends that is like in the making right now in that young lady. So you know, huge shout out to her and congratulations to her um, for winning the U.S. Open. She and just then, got she just got to start scooping up majors. Yep. Yep. And then just hunt them down. And then obviously we got to give a huge shout out to Sha'Carri Richardson, baby. Winning the hundred meter gold. Like we know all that she's been through. And again, the the through line here, another one, we know that what she went through. You know what I'm saying? The through line, we know what she's going through as the, and it's unfortunate that this has to be a through, a through line for young black female athletes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like that's a coincidence. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like we got to acknowledge that as well. But we know all the criticism that she was getting the marijuana and the smoking weed, and the whole world basically turned against her after she reached the highest of heights. And now look at her bouncing She's back, winning. winning the hundred meter gold, and going out there and, and redeeming herself again. Like. These stories, and again, these elements and that through line that I speak of of these stories, to me speaks to greatness more so than even somebody like, let's say, a Floyd Mayweather who never lost. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's certain adversity. Being able to bounce back from adversity matters to me, especially when you've been able to also prove your dominance over and over and over within your field of sport, like a Simone Biles has, like a Sha'Carri Richardson is doing, like a Coco Golf is doing. Like, we know how great they are as athletes because they've dominated enough times for us to be able to acknowledge just how great they are indeed. But also, like, I do hold weight on the bounce back story. 
And Shakari's another one who has that bounce back story. And, and, and again, we, we wouldn't be this podcast if we didn't acknowledge all three of those stories. But shout out to Shakari, man. So proud of her. Ski. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Sexy Red too. <laughs> in, in that regard, but yeah, I, I wanted to make sure to acknowledge that. Um, let's get into some pop culture, man. Um, Kamala Harris is getting absolutely annihilated on the internet, um, in part for her dance moves. You know, she basically, for those that don't know, um, Vice President Kamala Harris threw a 50th anniversary hip hop party. Um, you know, Shade Room and all of that has dance moves of her at the party. Um, and then obviously a lot of people just think that she's pandering for the black vote because she threw this anniversary party. And here's my thing, man. I I appreciate her doing it. You know what I'm saying? I think we're putting emphasis on the wrong thing here. I think that with all that it is that hip hop has gone through, for us to be able to celebrate a 50th hip-hop anniversary anything at the White House and her name being attached to that, I don't give a damn who she's pandering to. I don't give a damn how good she can or can't dance. I'm celebrating the fact that there was a 50th hip-hop anniversary party thrown at the White House. That takes precedence over all the personal shit to me, and that's just where I stand on that. Yeah, I mean, to be nerdy about it, it does, like, force hip-hop in, like, the history of America at, like, a congressional and executive level. Like, they got to write this in, like, the law book at That's right. the White House. And you know what I'm saying? So, like, it's, it, it matters, you know? It really does matter because, you know, it, it allows hip-hop to be, have more of a place in the narrative of the American story you know, at large yeah. and it puts, and it puts hip hop's place, I think more rightfully. I mean, it already is obviously you don't need the validation, but you know what I mean? It's just a nice gesture to acknowledge that hip hop is part of, you know, the fabric of the whole American story. It's yes. an integral part to it. So I agree. I agree with you. Yes. And by the way, I watched, um, I think it was called the crossover on ESPN the other day. Um, it was like a, uh, it was like a documentary put together that was discussing basically what we discuss right here on this podcast and what the intent of this podcast is, basically discussing the intersection of hip-hop and sports. Um, I think Angela Rye was a, was a producer on it, maybe the executive producer. Um, but it was just interesting because, and this is how I know Killer Mike's my guy, because one of the almost verbatim what we talked about with about hip hop being this sort of like rebellious genre and just its identity. Um, Killer Mike kind of spoke to how that was very synonymous with America being rebellious in a lot of ways. And we discussed that on, maybe that was the last episode where we talked about the 50th anniversary and we kind of, you know, dedicated an episode to the 50th anniversary and talked about our own influences, me, you and D-Boy here on the podcast in that regard. And so, um, but I do just beyond that, I think it's, it's a super good watch because um, you get to really learn about the, the, the beginning of hip hop, how it came about, how it was created and then how it crossed over into parks and, and you know, street ball and, 
you know, obviously then mm-hmm. into the professional level, there was a segment on Deion Sanders and how he was able to be, you know, a, 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 a actual figure of that crossover. There was a segment on Shaquille O'Neal and how he was an actual figure of that crossover. Obviously, Michael Jordan, what he was able to do with the sneakers and how that crossed over right. with hip-hop. Of course, of course, of course, Allen Iverson and how he was able yeah. to cross those two things and Tim, over. And Tim Duncan's influence on hip-hop and music. You know, uh, that <laughs> is where we stop. Um, <laughs> but but it was a super good watch, though. It just came out like a couple days ago. If you got, like, I watched it when it aired. But if you got like ESPN Plus, I'm pretty sure that you can uh, okay. you can go I'm watch it back. Out. You can go rewatch it back on ESPN Plus. But like, you know, like like it's a thing, man. Like like it's a thing, and I I live it personally. You know what I'm saying? Like it's something I live personally. I pro- I'm a DJ, and we obviously know what DJing means to to the entire <laughs> dynamic of of what is hip hop. But like, I DJ. I'm a sports commentator. Before that, I was just somebody that really, really loved music and was influenced by hip-hop music, and I listened to it to pump me up when I was going out there and playing ball, you know what I'm saying, through my college days. And so, like, I feel like that's that's a part of my identity and who I am, and that's why I wouldn't dare sit here and criticize Kamala Harris. Vote for who you're going to vote for, man. If you feel like she's pandering, you don't have to allow that to take precedence over the fact that she did it. That's my whole thing. You can make fun of you can make fun of the way she dances too and still think it's cool that she did it. You know what I'm saying? I, I agree. Agree. But I just I see a lot more of the the, the It's the, all good that she danced like Mr. Proud. It's I just see right. a lot more of the criticisms <laughs> than I do see of people being proud that hip hop has reached the White House in that way. And that's the that's the problem yeah. that I have with it all. I don't care if you disagree with her. I don't care if you're critical of her, but I do care if you're critical of her and you're not acknowledging the fact that she actually did it and how dope that is for hip hop because I love hip hop and I care for hip hop that much and I know what we've had to what hip hop has had to go through as a genre to be able to get to that point. And so so that's kind of where I stood on that. Speaking of hip hop and 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 crossover of athletics, I'm going to go a little more personal here. Um, Over the weekend, I went to two private events. Um, One private event I won't name, but I went to a private event, and there were athletes there. There were a lot of Blazers there in particular. And a block away, there was another private event, and it was the after party for Katronada, who I think is a generational talent in terms of being a producer, and Amine, who also in his own right has become a general generational talent as an artist. And he just so happens to be from right here in Portland, Oregon. Him and Katranada dropped a project some months ago called Katramine, and they're now on tour and they had their Portland show. This is just on Saturday night. So I go to the first party where where the players are at, the athletes are at. And it was cool, you know what I mean? A lot of people there, obviously. It was it was more of a hype beast type of a party, what it more so felt like, which is great. I'm glad that the market was able to have these two events happening at the same time, a block away for each other. For one, I just thought that was super dope in itself. But for two, man, I ain't going to lie, Spencer. Those artists sure know how to have a lot more fun than those athletes do, man. <laughs> 
I got to just experience it that night in that moment. It was like Bro. to be able to experience that so close in proximity. Like the athletes were certainly in the um the more expensive and exquisite location. Because usually the athletes got a little bit more bread behind them. More, you know what I'm saying? You got a little bit more bread. But, man, and it wasn't a hole in the wall where the other place was at, but it was just more so a lot more intimate. It was a little smaller. But, boy, the energy in the room, it was night and day. <laughs> it was night and day, dog. Yeah, well, you know how it is, man. Athletes, dude, they, they really care if they look cool or not. And yeah. sometimes that can make for a really not fun time. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And I and I think that's what it was because the athletes were in there looking too cool for school and and it and it reverberated throughout the room. Man, Katranada and Amine, this is the after party. They in there sweating, they in there hosting, they emceeing, they're dancing, yeah. they're interactive. Like it was too complete, but it made but the, it made for again a night and day experience in terms of energy and i don't and well i know there was certainly a few women that i saw in the one party that ended up coming over to the other party but like i don't know how many people were able to experience both parties in the same night in the way that i was able to just because i i you know i am who i am and i got invited to both and because they were so close in proximity i decided to go to both and it was a rare night that i actually was done djing by 10 p.m Usually I'm DJing at least until midnight, you know what I'm saying, on a Saturday night, sometimes later. Um, but I, I DJ like a bar mitzvah until like 10 p.m. So I'm able to go to both events. And man, well, I am. The, uh, 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 there you go. And man, <laughs> the energy was just night and day. And I said, now it, it all makes sense. Now I understand why the ballers want to be the artists. But I also understand why the artists want to be the ballers, because the artists usually get the shittier end of the stick from a business standpoint. But the ballers yeah. just couldn't. It's an energy and a vibe that the ballers just couldn't quite match that the artists had on lock, and it was easy. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that, that the animal kingdom and the universe is still operating in the harmony that I used to, because if you told me that that Keisha Mine party was whack, I would have had to change religions or something yeah bro, because, no man, that was that gotta be i mean that project is out of control yes and it lends itself to i mean it's a dance party in an album yes it so, is it is you know what, you know what i'm saying so like yeah. of course that's gonna be the move and i'm glad that uh you saw some folks that were at the the stuffy uh, nba event and they moved over to the good one because, yeah you know that's that's what you gotta we gotta have fun out here bro and you know what and you know what? It's, it's worth mentioning. And you know how me, I'm the biggest critic in this city of anybody in it. But we Portland is really kind of is, is having a lot more fun and yes, it a is. lot more loose than I've seen it in some years. And it's a it's nice. Yes, it is. It's Obviously, nice. we've been able to experience that with, with, you know, you you rock with me at a lot of my gigs. It's been a great summer for gigs. It's been yes, a sir. great summer for gigs. As a DJ, we can acknowledge that. As performers, we can acknowledge that. And again, that's why I made sure to to preface the comparison by saying I'm just grateful that both events were happening a block away from each other anyway before I actually made the comparison because it was like just that alone to me was super dope and is to be acknowledged because I do think you know from from an arts standpoint and an arts and entertainment standpoint the the Portland market 
is 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 reaching a new level. <laughs> I think it's reaching a new level. And and obviously, you know, we went through a lot during the pandemic. This market, especially, you know, with the pandemic, every market went through what it went through. But then, even on a social front, this market went through a lot. We know the coverage that that this market got with BLM and all of those things, and 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 sort of the nastiness of the headlines in terms of this city and what it is that it has to offer. And obviously we know how it is with the homelessness front and things that are like, but I do truly believe that you have to crack an egg to make an omelet. And I think from an arts and entertainment standpoint, a little bit more is starting to be allowed and a little bit more is started to be created based off of that fight that was put up in 2020 that, did not get the greatest coverage or did not make Portland look the greatest from a a coverage standpoint, from a mainstream standpoint. But I do think that it opened the door for a lot of people to step into their identities. It opened the door for a lot of people to feel like, you know what, there's actually enough people in this market, regardless of what the stereotypes is about this market, that will come out and that will support dope shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, Like, I feel like... There's a connective piece there that a lot of people won't acknowledge and some people don't acknowledge, but I see it. I see the creatives have stepped up in a unique way prior then when it was that that fight was put up for us to feel like, you know what, we got to step up in this unique way to stand on what it is that we were standing on when the BLM movement was at its height, you know, with the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor situation, the protesting, the uprising, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, that creative energy, though, I think, you know, without getting too grim, but it's like that, you know, that is a direct sort of reaction from unrest, you know what I'm saying, from civil unrest, and so, I agree wholeheartedly. it's, 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 it's good that there, we're finding more creative outlets for that sort of angst and anger and fear and, you know, uh, sadness and stuff uh, that, you know, just a shitty socioeconomic plight will get you, but we'll move on from that. But it's like, you know, also there's, we still got a lot of work and fight to do. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I like, uh, you know, Portland, they say the Portland's a city that works, you know, and it's like, well, we, we got a lot of work to do. So I, I hope that, that we can't do that, but you know what? It, the world's the worst, greatest shitty city if you don't live here, it's like come out here and you see that people are having a good time. I yeah. mean, just had Jeremiah's camp, you know, just take a flyer on a spot. Yeah. And they see, oh, hey, look, you guys are really bringing something fresh to the table here. Yeah. And, and they said positive that positive energy. Absolutely. And they said that to us. They was like, man, we are, we just out here on tour on a Tuesday night. Like we wasn't expecting to walk into this. Like they told me at Connect Zero that. You know, after the event was over and we all kind of hanging around and and just kicking it, they like, man, we really rock with y'all. We didn't expect we didn't. We just wanted to be outside on a Tuesday because we on tour in another city that a lot of us may have never been to before. One of them was his actual artist who I think was on his first tour with Jeremiah. And so then obviously he had some of his management, so on and so forth that was there. But they like, yo. We didn't expect this on a Tuesday <laughs> in Portland, especially, you know what I'm saying? Just yeah. based on what it is that yeah. they've heard about the market 
And then that ended up being like, yo, we actually want y'all to come to the show tomorrow because y'all showed us that good of a time. They didn't have to do that, but right. it was the time that they had here that was like, nah, y'all come pull up and rock with us since y'all showed us a much better time than we expected to have here tonight. Well, hey, man, you know, it makes me feel good because I've been performing and playing in this city since I was a kid. And like, you know, I've, the, the sentiment always has been like, oh, yeah, Portland's really, you know, generic and sort of doesn't really have this fun vibe. And like the musicianship is at a particular level. And I, I mean, I've always come up around, you know, like the Charlie Browns and then like you got yeah. like other ship and Farnell. Like there's so many different dirty revivals. And then, like, the jazz people, like, I've been around diverse, you have. really world-class musicians. And you brought me around them. You brought me around them. And, 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 and I'm, like, I'm like, you say that it's not fun. I'm like, where? Because I'm having, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we, I'm having a f- fun everywhere I go. There's a We've lot been having a ball since we that. met, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, we've been having a ball. I'm there, was like, ah, oh, Portland sucks. I'm like, bro, you're just not in the right spot. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's like, you know, now that I think about it, you're right. I have never seen you where I'm at before. Well, that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, lastly, before we close out, we'll close out with a little bit of hoops. We got about five minutes left to go here. Um, WNBA playoffs have begun. Y'all know we, we y'all know how we advocate for the WNBA, still pushing for WNBA to come to PDX. Um, yesterday was blowout city, not much to cover there. Um, you know, the the sun beat the Lynx by 30. The Aces beat the Sky by 30. <laughs> um, pretty much 30. But then you got on Friday the Liberty versus the Mystics coming up. You got the Wings versus the Dream. Um, I think basically for me and you, man, like let's just be clear here. You've been rocking with the Aces all year long. You think that they're destined to be like the greatest dynasty in WNBA history. I, I've always thought that the Liberty has something to say. Um, and I think so far, at least in the regular season, the Liberty have, have, have done me right. (laughs) Um, because they beat the aces the couple of times that they matched up. And I still think now that we're in the playoffs, this is the Liberty's championship to go win. But the Aces sure yeah. didn't disappoint last night, winning by 28. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so they made a statement, you know. They've been here before. I think that we should – yes, I do feel like the Aces are going to win, just for the record. But I think that we should really uh, bring, like, a debate. When they do and if they do collision course to uh, meeting off in the playoffs, we should really do a really strong oh, yeah. debate. I'll be – I'll be Skip Bayless and you be uh, uh, Shannon Sharp. I'll be Richard Sherman. Wait, I'll I be forgot. Richard Sherman. <laughs> I'll, I'll be Keyshawn. I'll be Keyshawn. Give me Keyshawn. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Michael Irvin for crying out loud. <laughs> oh, shit. No. I mean, he's no. got all of them on his show now. I just named everybody uh, yeah, he, that Skip. Hey, man, you know what? <laughs> Skip kind of low-key came correct, bro. I ain't mad at I what he did. I gotta give him one. I, but, I, but he I always does. One. He always he does has. in terms of I know, like I know. he put he Stephen has. A on, he put Shannon on. Now he's got three these as an individual. And he, and he takes, I may not be able to stand his takes, but all day long. Yeah, and he takes getting made fun of all day long and just continues to put people on. So you yeah. know what, Skip may not be that bad. Yeah, I, I, I certainly like his actions more so than I like his words. That's for damn sure. Right. Um. Yep. And then and then lastly, hey, can we just admit Noah Lyles was right? Because now LeBron in the game game series, Germany or or the Denver Nuggets. Now, now, now LeBron in the game, 
after seeing that the Young Bulls Shit. couldn't handle it in the World Cup. And, uh, yeah, now they ready to go yeah, prove it. Which, right. to me, he is he how it's right supposed to be. Guys, he wasn't right because those guys weren't there. But that's the those problem. in the Philippines. But so that's the problem. Matter. That's the problem. The fact that they weren't there, we got that ass tapped. Just like we deserve <laughs> to because we're not putting enough respect on the growth of the game worldwide, which I don't know why we wouldn't I mean, want to do that. that. Why wouldn't we want to do that? Why wouldn't we want to do that? Of course, but we're still the best. Of course, no, no, no. But if, but it's not. The point is, is that if you're somebody on the other side going, oh, well, the world should be the world. Okay, then you guys, whatever, whoever wins FIBA because it hasn't been the United States. Whoever wins FIBA called Adam Silver and set up a seven game series or something between the current NBA champion. No, and then and then and just. No, hey, no, LeBron, hey, get y'all asses up off y'all seats. And if y'all the best, go out there and put your best out there and prove it. It's competition. Well, go out there and prove well, it again and again and again if you have to. I'm not downplaying what we just did in the World Cup to go play against an NBA team in a seven-game series. The hell with that. Y'all, we beat y'all little youngsters' asses, all the little young bulls that y'all <laughs> thought can go out here and kick it at the World Cup and was going to come home with some gold that came Came home with yeah. some bronze. We beat their ass. So now y'all come out here and do what y'all supposed to do and continue to prove it over and over again that you're the best. I don't I don't see what the problem with that is because I, I do believe we're the best. But the fact that we don't treat the rest of the world like, man, prove it. In this, lace them up and prove it. And over and over and over again if you have to. It's only going to add to your legacy. Are you really going to let Franz Wagner... <laughs> you know what I mean? We're really going to let Franz Wagner be the, no. Yeah. I look, get KD, get Steph, call the Avengers. Call Dame. Okay. Get call Jaw Brian, call, get Devin Booker and go out there and whoop ass then. And just, yeah. Yeah. That's what type of time I'm on. I'm not going against America here. I think and believe we are still the best. I'm, I'm betting on the house. 10 times out of 10 if I got to put my money on it. But I'm also somebody that is a fan of the spirit of competition and not just talk, talking about it. Go prove yeah. it out there inside those lines. And if you got to prove it again and again and again, it's only going to enhance your legacy because you were able to prove it again and again and again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, don't run from it. Keep doing it. Mm. Okay. So okay, well, that's I where like I stand. See, I, I always thought Noah Lowes was I right, agree. though. No, I agree. And I still I, believe I, the NBA is the best the professional best basketball league in the world. I believe well, that see, too. But that's, what, but but see, that's but not that's a world. But that don't make you a world but, champion. No, I. But that's it's a why domestic it league. Me that it's even a debate right now because everybody's like, "Well, the best guys weren't over there." So why, like, like I, I, I can feel the other side of the argument, but it's like until the best guys are out there. Then we're not, what are we even talking about? We're talking about Jared Jackson Jr. averaging two rebounds a game. Like, come on, We're man. talking about respect for the game. And the, the, the utmost respect that I have for the game is going out there, lacing them up, and proving it. And it'll never well, change. So That'll D never change DM for LeBron. me. That'll never oh, – he's not – DM LeBron. Oh, he's, oh, he got the memo. He got the memo. You seen <laughs> you seen the headlines this yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, he got the memo. Dame, step. They all got I the memo. They they'll be in, they'll be in Paris. They'll be in Paris in summer of 2024. 
Well, I've heard him say some. I've heard a lot of those guys say, "Yeah," then they pull out last minute. So I hope that they stay. I don't word, think they pulling out of Paris. We go to Paris bro. and we come get goals. I don't think they pulling out of Paris, bro. We're talking well, you about know, NBA. NBA are all fashionistas and stuff. So they'll, they'll yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're Paris. not. They're Paris. They going to. They going to Paris, man. <laughs> they going to Balenciaga sweatshirts. Yeah, they going to Paris. Up. Hey, I'm I'm trying to go to Paris for crying out loud. They going to Paris, <laughs> man. <laughs> On that note, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. And go win.